Welcome to the Shady Grove Radio Podcast, a production of Shady Grove United Methodist Church in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, and listen to the music in the air. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, and glory share. This week we'll hear a sermon from Pastor Wayne entitled Cursing of the Fig Tree, based on Matthew 21, 18 through 22. Before we get to Pastor Wayne's sermon this week, I do have a few upcoming events that I'd like to share with you. The Journey Middle School Weekend will be coming up on March 10th through 12th. We have our United Women in Faith Yard Sale. That's going to be on March 11th from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. There'll be furniture, clothes, electronics, toys, kitchen items, and much, much more. Be sure to stop by the bake sale tables to pick up homemade fudge, pies, cakes, and cookies. Breakfast and lunch items will also be available. Note, on Friday night, March 10th, from 5 to 7 p.m., Shady Grove members only will be invited to do some early bird shopping. We'll see you then. We also have our SG Kids event coming up at Maymont Park. That's going to be on March the 18th from noon to 3 p.m. The youth are going to be gathering at Top Golf uh, for a fun night. That's going to be on March the 26th from 1 to 3.30 p.m. And don't forget, of course, our Be the Church Day is coming up in April. That's going to be on Sunday, April 23rd from about 10 a.m. in the morning to about 2 p.m. If you uh, check the Shady Grove website, there is a dedicated webpage for Be the Church and there will be a sign-up genius there for you to go and pick the project that you would like to participate in and sign up right there on the website. All right, without further ado, let's get to Pastor Wayne's sermon. Enjoy. Well, today we begin our series. I'm going to try to, I want to go down here. I get excited I might fall off or something. I don't know, you know. So today we are beginning, uh, this is the first Sunday of Lent, so we're beginning our Lenten series, and for the Lenten series, uh, for self-reflection and self-examination and to draw closer to Christ, I've chosen the parables Jesus, or most of the parables Jesus told on the last week of his life. Now, um, in the story's context, day one started with a triumphant entry that Jesus came in on a donkey with a colt. And uh, also on day one, he went to the temple. And for the second time in three years, he cleared out the temple by overturning the money changers and taking all those things away and condemning them because they were robbing people by their taxes and various means of uh, worship and to come before God with a genuine heart. And so after that, he began to heal people and any of them that came, the Bible says, that he healed those who came to him. In the evening, 
they left Jerusalem and went, according to the story, uh, just prior to this, to Bethany. Now, Bethany is about a two-mile walk. I wish I had taken my, my picture of standing on the Mount of Olives and looking down on Jerusalem because that road is like steep down. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like a cutback road kind of thing, but steep. So they went all the way out those two miles to Bethany. Now, the, who lived in Bethany? I'm glad you asked because I almost fell off of that. So the, two, the people who lived in Bethany where Jesus and his disciples normally would stay <coughs> was Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. That's where they lived. <coughs> and they often gathered there when they were in Jerusalem and stayed there. The story begins uh, in the early morning. <coughs> Before that, I want to tell you there are three, at least three themes that I want you to be mindful of that is going to be in the Lenten series all the way through to uh, Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. Resurrections, that's Easter. I'll save that one for Easter. <laughs> so the context is that there are themes that are layered in here that we need to look at. One, you will find, beginning with the clearing of the temple, that Jesus uh, began to bring God's judgment on the hypocrisy and injustice that was going on in the temple and the barrenness of ritual that was also going on. Second, that Jesus is going to show um, what is required or to be able to grow through self-examination and through self-reflection on God's word um, about fruit and faith. The third thing you're going to see that's not even obvious, but it began on that first week, the tension between the law and the sacrificial system and Jesus as a building atonement that is the fulfillment of the insufficiency of the sacrificial system and law to be able to forgive sin. If you go back to the Old Testament, it always talks about the blood from the lamb that was taken into the holy of holies with hyssop it was sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant where the cherubim and seraphim were there, and it was a covering of sin. That's how it's talked about in the Old Testament where Jesus came to forgive sin. Because remember, his, his difficulties with the Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law is because he was forgiven sin. And you remember what they said? Only who can forgive sin? God, right? Remember in church, 99% of the answers are either God or Jesus. All right? Just remember that. It's an important lesson. All right. 
So let's get into it. Now, I told you that's day one. Now, the story begins in the morning. Jesus and his disciples got up and began to make the two-mile journey into Jerusalem. While they were on the way to, from Bethany to Jerusalem, they saw, Jesus saw a fig tree, a wild fig tree. This was not in a vineyard. This is a wild fig tree because it said it was growing beside the road. Okay? So if I were to speculate, I would say that somebody was going down the road eating a fig and they got to the, what? Seed. And then they spit out the seed and threw it on the side of the road. Doesn't that make sense? I see stuff growing by the side of the road. I go, where'd that come from? There's a corn stalk coming up by the side of the road. I wonder where that got there. Anyway, so that's kind of the, this is not in a vineyard. It is just beside the road. It is a wild, it's a fig tree, but it's in, in a different setting than a vineyard. So when Jesus looks at it, remember, because here's where some of the parallels begin. Jesus sees a fig tree leaves that were on there. Now, fig trees normally produce fruit in March, April, could be in May, and in the autumn. A fig tree produces fruit three times a year. The first two of the fruit that is done in the this time of year, the time of year of the story, is always delicious. Now, the fruit in the autumn is edible, but barely. Huh? You bite into it, you go, Ooh, baby, that's something else right there. Anyway, that's southern right there, if you didn't know it. Anyway, and so, from a distance, the fig tree, he sees all the leaves and he goes, oh, this is going to be great, because what happens is, a fig tree... Um, it will bear fruit, then it'll grow some more wood, and you'll see little buds coming out, okay? And they will eventually grow into the fruit. Well, when Jesus got to the fig tree, even though the, the leaves were looking good, there was no fruit, nor was it any buds that were going to produce fruit. You see what I'm saying? It, you don't tell you in the story, but that's what's going on. Because it's not bearing any fruit or has the potential to bear any fruit when it was supposed to do that. Now, that's a theme right there, you know, about disciples and stuff like that. But we're not going to talk about that today. So when he goes there, he sees no fruit. Then Jesus says to the fig tree to wither. And immediately, it what? Withered. Now you're saying to me, so what's so important about that? Let's start here. The story says in the morning when he was, they were on the way, Jesus was hungry. Now, to Matthew... Jesus was fully human, right? When Jesus withered the vine, it was by the divine power. So in Matthew, he's 
kind of building this layer in that Jesus is fully human and fully God to the audience he's writing to. You see that? He, it, it's just kind of slipped in there. Is that he was hungry, which means he's just like you and I. Is that if you look at Hebrews, you can see he was uh, new weaknesses because he was human. But he was also fully God because of his power, miraculous power that withered it. It was just something he threw in there so you would just know that who's going to the cross? Fully God, fully human. So uh, anyway, so that's an important part of that theme that's building toward that tension with the temple. So let me tell you this. This parable does not start off as Jesus normally would and say, Jesus told a parable. This is in the Bible, just for a little idea. This is what is called in the Bible an acted out parable. And so it's a demonstration for the purpose of teaching, right? Like the cork. That taught you something. Stick a cork in it. Get it? So, and so this is what's happening in there. Jesus is looking to take and teach something to the disciples and even to us. Now, what's interesting about this is that it is a metaphor, the barren um, fig tree is a metaphor for the fruitless Jewish leadership and Judaism at that time as it related to the temple. So, like the fig tree, Jesus is pointing out that the tree looked good from a distance. But when it was examined closely, it was a barren. You hear what I'm talking about now about Lent? Self-examination, self-reflection, growing closer to Christ. Just as the temple architecturally from a distance was grand and beautiful on the outside, Jesus was saying it was barren on the inside based on the story that's building with the triumphant entry and going into the temple. So, do you know in the Bible where we first hear of fig leaves? You don't? Genesis. So, uh, so there must have been a fig tree in the garden because God thought it was good. Right? I don't like figs. Is that um, you can do anything you want to them. A figgy pie? Mm. Anyway. Figgy Newton? I can eat those, actually. I like those. So, in Genesis, the first time the fig leaves are mentioned, which I'm ta we're talking about fig leaves here. Remember, you've got to catch the nuances in this thing. They're fig leaves Jesus saw on the tree, and there's barren, which represented sin. It wasn't bearing fruit. In Genesis 3, 7, just prior to that, you will find that Adam and Eve and the serpent were going through the tempting thing about the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? 
And it says that the fruit looked good to them. And uh, so they, they ate of it. And immediately, they realized that they were naked. They had lost all innocence, right? They had disobeyed God and had lost all innocence because they were naked. So somebody decided <coughs> to take fig leaves, and both of them did that, and it says they sewed them together to cover their bodies. And then Jesus, I mean, God came into the garden and said, where are you? And they said, we're hiding because we're naked and ashamed. Uh-oh, you made a mistake, didn't you? That represented what? Sin. You got it? You see all these little nuances you got to pick through a little bit? So that represented sin. So what Jesus is referring to in the fig tree on the side of the road is the sin that Jesus came for once and for all to take care of because the sacrificial system was there to teach people about forgiveness and about atonement. But it was insufficient to get rid of it because you only had atonement once a year, right? And so... You only had one day a year you could get all your sins in. What'd you do the other 364 days? I mean, you must have kept a list. But Jesus came to do something different. It wasn't that it was negative. It was that Jesus was coming for the purpose of showing that the sacrificial system was insufficient to deal with the problem of sin because it was covering the sin, which means it was abating the wrath of God because it was covered and you couldn't see it, but it wasn't dealt with. It was something underneath that's really the problem, right? Like termites in your house. You don't see them until, uh-oh, grandma fell through the floor, right? So... That's what you see that's going on. And that's how he looks at what is going on in the temple and among the nation. And so Jesus was teaching, by the way, so we remember this, that the law was and sacrificial system was insufficient to deal with sin because you had to have somebody else go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood on the covenant, I mean the Ark of the Covenant, and then that's how you got your sins forgiven, okay? By covering. Jesus is saying, I came to fulfill the law and to fulfill the sacrificial system by dealing with sin completely as far as the east is from the west, right? And the sin here was about bearing fruit that reflected God's kingdom. So, the tension between the temple and Jesus' purpose is going to continue to build as we go parable to parable. Do you know 
that after the uh, Jerusalem was devastated after the revolt of the Jewish nation, that in 70 AD, Jerusalem was totally destroyed. Do you know that the early church applied the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem to the fig tree story? Judgment. The end of judgment, but it also ended the sacrificial system when that happened. Because the temple was destroyed. And if you go there now, it's just a wall. Weeping wall. Is that so that was beginning to to take place. So, what are some lessons we're learning about fruit bearing and about the story? Our Lord teaches us about the dangers of professing faith without practice. You hear what I'm saying? When he talks about hollow ritual, you're going through the motions, but it's not drawing you closer. There's a barrenness that oftentimes you you can feel in that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so that's why the self-examination, self-reflection comes in. Because fruit, as I told you, reflects the kingdom of God within each one of us. Because what happened is when Jesus said it is finished and gave up his breath, what happened? At the Holy of Holies, the covering there, the cloth, from top to bottom was rend. In other words, tore apart which symbolizes that we no longer need to go through a high priest as Hebrews teaches us. Our high priest is now with Jesus, whom we can come confidently with before the throne of God, who will forgive our sin once and for all and opened up that we do not need an intermediary to have a relationship with God. And it's not about rules. It's about applying God's word in our lives every day as we grow in our faith. We can't take it all in at one time, can we? No, we can't. So, during Lent, um, as we try to live into the kingdom of God within each of us, I want us to think about a process. How do you do that? So I want to talk about a process of how do you go through that self-examination and reflection and focus on Jesus. First off, let me just say, the self-examination and reflection and focus on Jesus is not intended to focus on guilt or condemnation of self or judging yourself. The purpose of self-examination and, and reflection is to create the new growth that the fig tree didn't have. See, it would have kept growing year after year. It kept growing. That's what we're called to, to apply God's word in our daily life. Now, when I, I, I want to give you some kind of bits and pieces on here, some how-tos. So, how do you do this self-reflection and all that stuff? One, 
It's not complicated. You know, and you can't mess it up. Isn't that good? But a practice is that a lot of times people will read like a chapter in the Bible or like that, and if that's your thing, that's fine. But what I'm going to suggest to you is a spiritual discipline that we learned back in seminary. It's to focus on not a lot of Scripture, but just a little bit. And so, like, for instance, I may take the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, okay? And that's all I'm going to read. And I'm going to think about that. I'm going to start, and I'm going to, one of my practices is, you know, you can, it's a learning technique. If you take your Bible and actually listen to the scripture while you're reading it, you actually get more because you're not so focused on reading it. And so I used to be, you get little cassettes. Then it went to CDs. Now I go to Bible Gateway, select a scripture, type in whatever I'm looking for, and then, then hit the play button and I listen to it and I follow along. And I don't need to look at any more than the great commandment. Is that, and so what I'm going to do is start asking my question, myself a question. What does this mean to me? How am I living this out in my daily life? How could I grow some way from applying this in my life? And so you reflect on that. Sometimes you'll get a deja vu moment. Sometimes it's good because the practice is to read, to listen, to meditate, and even to memorize. As a practice that people do, as a spiritual discipline. Another scripture which I found helpful that's a little short one, is the Great Commission. So what does that mean for me in my daily life? How am I living that out? How am I falling short? Why am I ashamed? I first became a Christian, and it's still to some ways like that now. Why is I'm afraid to share my faith? I'm not going to say, you're going to die tonight, you're going to hell unless you come to Jesus. If you want to do that, go right ahead. I had a class in seminary that made us do that. They shut the door on me every time. It's not me. Is that, but I might be able to share my faith with someone. Not all the time. I pray God give me the opportunity. If the opportunity comes, I'm fine, but I'm not pushing it. You know? Um, so, also, to pray and ask God to make the Scripture come alive in your life. That's just a, a sentence, by the way. God, as I read your Scripture today, help it come alive in my life. Okay. That's what God said. Okay. Then, a this is the thing about fruit. A Fruit is about applying something to 
your life. I don't care what it is. It's got to be your insight. But try to apply. That's, that is growing in Christ by applying. Because the point is that Jesus was making about fruit is that fruit needs to follow faith. As James says, works without faith. I mean, faith without works is what? Dead. So you don't have to take on the whole thing like, I'm going to memorize this Bible in a week. Good luck. You know, the other way that we grow is by listening and other people and what they say as you're talking about different topics about living out your faith or learning. Um, and so ha going to a small group, like they have the Bible studies on Wednesday or um, Julie has one on Tuesdays and uh, noontime and then there's Sunday school classes. There's all kinds of ways to do it that, you know, you can learn from one another. And so, that's the key thing that Jesus is teaching. Although there's lots of layers here. But the key thing that Jesus asks them to do is, are you a fruit inspector? Hmm? Is that, uh, I'm not a fault inspector. I am a fruit inspector. And I try not to allow fruit flies to ruin my fruit. You got me? You see it? It's not complicated. It's about where is God at work? And where can God stretch me? I need a little stretching. Well, I don't need too much more stretching. But I need a little spiritual Right, you got me. Amen. Get touch with God. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. And listen to the music in the air. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Let glory share. Turn your lights down. Turn your lights down low. And listen to the master's radio. Get touch with God. Turn your radio on.